Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. Good evening and welcome to Country Life here on Midlands 103. It's MJ Cleary with you for the next hour, bringing you the latest from the Midlands and further afield from the worlds of agriculture, food and agribusiness. Now, thank you all for joining me this evening, the 5th of April, and we would definitely like a little more mildness, no question about that. Land is still quite wet and a couple of good days drying with some temperatures in the double figures is what we are looking for going forward. Now, this evening's programme and lots on offer over the course of the next hour would you like to win 10 ton of fertilizer yes is the resounding answer i i believe 10 ton of 18612 no less a fundraiser in westmead is providing this as one of the prizes lord of the mount is being ran in mount temple county westmead and we'll hear a little bit later on just how you can be in with the chance to win almost 10,000 euro worth of fertilizer for your farm great prize there and going to have a lot of interest from all the farmers throughout the midlands no doubt about that Martin Coughlin from the Farming Independent will join me to discuss the beef trade and an update on the layerage situation in France, which has caused considerable strain on the calf export trade this last week or 10 days at this stage. We'll have a word on the sheep trade also and how prices are still well behind this time last year. The Irish Aubrac Society is having a sale in Tullamore on Saturday week, the 15th of April. It's certainly an in-demand breed with the highest rated DBI bulls at the moment. Good beef dairy calves is what everybody wants and the Aubrac breed is providing that. A really in-demand breed at the moment and Francis Donoghue from Johnstown Aubrac's in County Westmead will join me later to chat about this upcoming sale. As always, please text the show with your comments, thoughts or questions to 083 30 10 103. Now, to start this evening, Joe Keller from Chagas will join me in a moment uh, talking about a live webinar starting in just over 30 minutes time on the much chatted area at the moment, probably one of the most talked about areas in agriculture, and that's red clover silage. Uh, Joe, many thanks for speaking to me this evening. Good evening, uh, MJ. How are you? Uh, we're good, Joe. I know you're busy. You're going to be on your webinar in 30 minutes. But in advance of that, given a little forward sell, we're talking red clover silage. Now, I think this last week I came across red clover silage on about four different things. A couple of different publications, a couple of press releases in. Uh, seed companies are talking about it. Chagas are talking about it. Everybody's talking about red clover silage at the moment. So I suppose people need to know a little bit of the background on it, Joe. In the last couple of years it's become very popular especially the last year we're talking about it a lot but what's the history of it Joe when was it around back in the day and then it left must have left for a while and now it's back on, on trend again well, I suppose it's kind of a native species really if you look at any old native pastures and you see them down the west coast in particular and kind of near the seaside in particular you see a lot of native red clover so it has been around longer than we have been around um, but I suppose it has been commercially produced I would imagine I'd say in the last 40-50 years it was popular enough in the 70s and it's really making a, a resurgence again I suppose and it's the price of fertiliser really I suppose that is bringing its popularity back again and from our point of view from an organic uh, angle that we'd be looking at it from it's, it's, it's an amazing tool on organic farms yeah, uh, so that it, with, the, with the amount of nitrogen it can fix yeah so as you say Joe organics looking at it and, and conventional farms looking at it now as well due to that uh, high fertiliser price no no point saying any different obviously you're talking about from an organic perspective this evening so just talking about it as a crop itself what do we do we go to a, a specific field we plough it we sow the red clover in it and that's just a specific silage field then going forward is that how it works pretty much yeah it's, it's more suited to silage production than grazing can be included in grazing mixes 
Uh, it probably won't persist as long in a grazing mix uh, than it will in a silage system because it grows as a single plant. It grows in an upright habit and it's got a crown uh, just above where it, it uh, roots. And if that crown is damaged, then uh, unfortunately the plant uh, will pack its bags and leave. But it, it operates differently from white clover. And the white clover is a kind of a hardier and more suited to grazing, whereas red clover is more suited to silage. So really it's a three or four cut silage system. Uh, but you can you can take a light grazing off of it in the, in the autumn in most cases. And uh, sowing then, what do you recommend, Joe? Is it uh, over-sowing it, ploughing it and sowing it? Obviously, if you're sowing it three, three or four times uh, to cut it, are we talking sowing it once and you're getting three or four cuts off that? Is it, how many years does that last? What are the logistics of it? Yeah, the logistics of it, for, from an organic point of view, what we'd be kind of recommended this year is if someone is thinking about it, is maybe you'd, you'd grow your, your silage crop as normal, with, put out your slurry on it and grow it as normal and cut it there. Uh, ideally before the 1st of June and then go straight in afterwards with your plough put it in uh, obviously there's no spraying off in organic so we're just cutting it we're going in with the plough we're sowing it putting out lime if it's needed because it does like a high pH uh, and then you're closing the gate and you obviously have to wait for it to establish and for it to grow and that could take 10 to 12 weeks depending on the way the year goes and the weather goes uh, before you get a cut so uh, you'll get a cut off it this year, which is probably taking you to near enough the 1st of September, and you may get a second cut off it, uh, depending on weather, how it plays out in, in October. Uh, so the first year, you're not going to see massive return from it, but it's after that that you'll see the, the big benefit. So in next year, then, you'd be expecting to be cutting it. Ideally, in the first half of May, again, it depends on the, the weather and the year and how way that goes, and sometimes you get a good temperatures in April, and you might have an earlier crop. Um you cut every first half made, cut again every eight weeks then after that. So you, you easily get your three cuts and as I say, the fourth cut is very much weather dependent on if the weather is playing ball or not uh, at that time of the year. So, But look, the, the, the fourth cut, you're not going to get massive yields off it. It's more to, to, to take some of the herbage off it over the winter uh, is why you'd be taking that fourth cut. So, um, and for those uh, for those yeah, main getting, those main bulk cuts, Joe, the, the May and June, May, June, July cuts, what are we talking bales per acre or, or tonnage per acre? From farmers on the ground, those bigger ones, the, those main cuts, you're probably looking at about eight bales per acre. Hmm, um, yeah. in the first. So we have farmers getting recording up as high as late 20s in bales per acre. But then as it goes on to years, sometimes it can't thin out and we can get down as low as, as maybe 10 bales. So there's, there's a, there is variation. There's a year effect, but you probably can go anywhere between 10 and 30 bales. So depending on uh, how long it has been in. But for the first two years, uh, you'd be reliably, depending on maybe 20 bales per acre, is the figure we would be sent a budget on. Um, and, and that should be comfortably got. And then, Joe, obviously, look, with all this cutting, nitrogen isn't the issue because, look, it's fixing itself. But P's and K's, uh, we've always heard of silage ground, lots of P and K needed in order to keep up those uh, areas of minerals in the soil. What are we talking about here, for example, taking three cuts off a silage field? Uh, surely there's going to be a, a, a big P and K pull on that. Yeah, there is a big P and K pull. And in an organic setting, really, we're... we're the main resource we have is cattle slurry. So you really, you have to prioritise your red clover silage fields for your slurry and you have to kind of spare it almost to, to have it there for the second or third cut to put it out afterwards. So we'd be sent slurry after, especially the first two cuts and uh, farmyard manured in after the final cut uh, just to kind of get the, the biology going in the soil and to kind of tease up for the following year, get a bit of air activity moving in the soil and kind of open up that soil again. Uh, so... 
slurry after each cut and farmer I mean you're after the final cut really is what we're saying to replace the nutrients and would it is it enough Joe uh, taking out that, that level of P and K will you be able to keep keep it up like if you were talking about this to a conventional farmer now we're talking about organics if you were talking to a conventional farmer would you be saying to go in with a couple of bags of 0730 at the back end of the year after yeah conventional farmers would probably be going in and they'd probably be expecting to get a few more bales per acre off as a return so I suppose that's the kind of trade off we have in organics that we maybe we'd be settling for a few bales less per acre so Across the year, we might be getting three or four bales less per acre, uh, whereas in a conventional setting, they may be looking at putting out additional uh, P's and K's in the form of 0730. We do have options of P and K products in organics as well that you can buy in the bag, organic sources of it. They're expensive and they're probably last resort. And maybe the economics of spreading them versus the return you get per bales can be uh, questionable at times. Yeah. Well, I'd say as well, Joe, probably look the way we're going with uh, conventional uh, slurry and, and nitrates and, and derogations and whatnot. There is going to be an option here for your local dairy farmer to come and spread some slurry on your local organic farm uh, if, if, it, if it works out on, on your keeping under your limits and whatnot. Like it, it's, it's going to more than likely occur in that manner. Yeah, we seem to be we seem to be seeing a lot more kind of offers from the dairy farmers, maybe in derogation that are looking to because of the new banding and that to try reduce their stocking rates. They seem uh, organic farmers seem to be getting more approaches from farmers like that to ask them to be willing to take slurry and look at suit both parties maybe in that situation. So yeah, there might be more availability of slurry for that from that angle. Yeah, no, it seems to be it seems to be the, uh, a decent trade off. Now, just looking at your webinar, which is taking place in about fifteen minutes time, you have two organic farmers, Coleman D is West Limerick dairy farmer and Oliver Dixon is a Mayo beef finisher so look you're, you're looking at both angles dairy beef and both the guys are going to be just talking about how they manage their red clover crops and how it works for them yeah yeah and I suppose the the, the, the angle maybe we haven't touched on there that they'll be covering is the performance of the, the animals that they're getting and that's the one thing we're seeing that is really uh, prominent is the performance of the animals you take Oliver Dixon there, the dry, the beef farmer that's on tonight, like he's getting weight gains of up to a kilo a day on zero concentrate diet uh, from cattle finishing system. And we, ha- we have we have a number of farmers, organic farmers across the country doing a similar system to that, where they're zero meal going into the system, red clover silage, and they're finishing cattle at, at relatively young ages uh, on right and getting fantastic performance over the winter months. So it's not only replacing your fertilizer bill, but it's replacing your meal bill as well. And I don't think there's any other tool out there in Irish agriculture that can replace those two bills in one go. No, we, we definitely want meal bills being replaced, no question about that. Joe, that's lovely. If people want to tune into the, the webinar or, or want to catch it later on, how do they uh, log on? Yeah, the easiest thing to do is just Google Chagas Organic Webinars and you should get a link to it there. And just maybe before I go, MJ, I might just mention there's a, an organic farm walk on in Kildare tomorrow on the farm of Richard Milligan in Robertstown. So it's on at 11 o'clock and if you begin, just put Chagas Organic Walks into Google you'll see the details of that if anyone is interested and we'll be covering right clover at that as well there tomorrow. Lovely stuff. Uh, many thanks for that, Joe. Thanks, MJ. Uh, Joe Keller there, organic specialist with Chagas. That webinar is on in a few minutes' time and it will be recorded so you can watch it later on as in after the programme, obviously, at 8 o'clock. And look, it's an interesting area. It's it's all about red clover at the moment. I'm just seeing it every single place I look at the moment. However, look, there's no, there's just challenge every support and uh, the P&K uh, nutrient uh, need of that crop is high. There's no question about it. I was looking at an article saying it kind of, it, it gave me a, an indication of what it was. I thought it was huge. So that's going to be your trade-off. Uh, you're going to have to be conscious of that. And again, if you're in an organic setup and if that's where all your slurry goes, then you're going to need a little bit 
more slurry from maybe somewhere else for your grassland. You're going to try and balance it up. But look, it's where the push is at the moment and uh, it is definitely what everyone's talking about. So if it suited your system uh, for the organic system, it kind of seems to be the only way to go if you want a reasonable level of stock on your farm and you want to be able to make adequate silage for them. For the conventional look it's definitely uh, something that you could look into as well maybe in a smaller section um, sow it in a paddock and uh, just see how you go bail it up a few times over the course of the year and just see how what animal performance is like thereafter now coming up after the break we're on the cattle and sheep trail with martin cockland from the farming independence so stay tuned for that country life on midlands 103 brought to you by w orshaw burlington business park tillamore supplier of new holland's tractors in the midlands worshaw.ie just one show explores the world of art, literature, film, music and theatre from around the Midlands. And that show is Encore with me, Shannon Fogarty. I'll be bringing you the absolute best of what's happening in the arts in Leash, Offaly, Westmeath and beyond. So join me every Thursday evening from 7 on Midlands 103. Encore with Shannon Fogarty with the Dean Crow Theatre and Arts Centre at Lone. Imagine the possibilities. DeanCrowTheatre.com from Nashville, Tennessee, to the heart of the Midlands, join me, Joe Cooney, for Country Roads, Monday to Friday from 8 p.m. for the very best in Irish and American country music on Midlands 103. With thanks to Hugo Luna Motors Klein and Citroen, don't wait for your next new car. Make it a Citroen and drive away today. Visit Hugo Luna Motors for Ban Road Klein for a test drive. Nothing moves you like a Citroen. And you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now we're moving on to the beef and the sheep trade. We have Martin Coughlin from the Farming Independent on the line. Martin, many thanks for taking my call this evening. No problem at all. Uh, Martin, we are looking at your article, ringside article here in the Farming Independent, and the headline yesterday is Heavy Rain fails to dampen trade as lighter stock rise by 8 to 10 cents a kilo. So, obviously, farmers are looking at the weather and saying to themselves, hopefully things are going to kick on. I know we haven't really started on growth yet in this part of the world anyway, but obviously farmers are, are taking a little punt and hoping it's going to happen in the next week or so. Yeah, well, that would be the situation. The reason... Um Last week I was talking to a number of uh, procurement officers down around the south of the country and they were telling me they had heaps enough cattle because uh, we had no different than I expect a lot of parts of um, the world, a lot of uh, uh, rain, which meant that ground conditions were not particularly favourable for the letting out of stock. And what was actually happening on some of the dairy farms is that some of the men who were basically keeping with, say, a pen of uh, cold cows or maybe forward cattle or whatever with the intention of maybe fattening them and killing them in June or July, decided that uh, with uh, fodder becoming scarce and uh, space being an issue as well with cows calving and one thing and another, they decided to dispose of uh, a share of their cattle, which meant that there was uh, uh, plenty of supplies going into uh, the factories. Uh, this didn't initially uh, dampen prices, to be perfectly honest about it. Um, however, I was told at the start of this year, that, or this week, I should say, there was an attempt by factories to actually pull the price uh, back. However, that appears to have come to naught uh, because men who killed cattle last week uh, basically, I'm told, refused to sell for anything less than what they were being quoted uh, last week. Well, in other words, when they were being offered whatever they've been offered this, this week. I would say, however, that maybe some of the top end prices, the situation where 
often get a 530 for Bullocks uh, and that may be far more difficult and maybe heifer of the 535 might be far more difficult but the general run of, of coats at 525 for Bullocks and 530 for heifers seems to be very solid to be perfectly honest about it but as I said that, that, that little edge that was in it might be a little bit dulled uh, slightly but that, that like that is that is the trade as uh, what I'm being told at the moment yeah interesting figures no, no, in, no. in your in your piece Martin uh, 30,349 animals uh, slaughtered uh, toward mm. the uh, end of March 20 the, the week uh, ending March 26th uh, 7,304 of those were culled cows big percentage of culled cows and obviously shows why the trade but, for culled cows is so strong yeah, it, it would. Yeah, no, I, I do say in the piece as well that uh, the the amount of prime beef that appears to be available in the west of the country, in particular, and in some parts of the Midlands, is far less than the factories would like. And they are actually uh, there's a lot of cull cows. I'm told being brought, being bought in the south, and being brought up to plants in the west to keep the the, the show basically on the road. And that is obviously underpinning uh, the trade. And uh, it basically means as well that. Prices for cull cows have basically remained completely static for the last month, uh, which are all-grade cull cow. They would be making about 540 to maybe 570, that, that, so those sort of things, O's and P's. Um, at the moment, as I said, prior quotes are, uh, sorry, not 540. 440, yeah. 440, good God. Hmm. 440 to 470 with your prime beef making uh, 525 for bullets, 530, 530 for heifers. U-grade bulls are are fairly steady as well at around 550 and ours are at um 540. Now we all know that like costs have gone up but we were just lo- I was just looking there at what was being paid this week last year. Uh, the general quotes for bullocks were 480 and heifers 485. Bulls were on about 485, uh, 485 to 490 for use. And your cull cow was back. It was very similar to what they are now, actually. 440, 450 uh, for, your, for your cull cow. So your cull cow is, it has not come up um, that great amount, but the money is still good. Like so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sheep meat quotes rise again, but still lag well behind last year. Uh, sheep farmers mm. still a long way off this time last year, Martin. They are actually. Uh, uh, I was talking to a man there who was in the sheep job there about an hour ago, and I asked him what's been paid at the moment. Uh, spring lambs seven eighty, seven ninety. That's what's actually been paid at the moment. Uh, Hoggets uh, six ninety, seven euros. Roughly ninety cents a euro of a difference between uh, between those those two. Plenty of demand, despite what the the factories would like to uh, lead you to believe. Uh, as to what will happen once we go past Easter, the factories will attempt, I'm sure, to try and talk back down the trade. It'll be all down to whether or not the numbers are actually there. There are people who say that the numbers of lambs and hoggets are just not there this year. So we'll have to wait and see how that actually uh, develops. One of the things uh, I thought was most telling, though, when I was talking to David Quinn and a number of other managers who commented very similarly, that for those in the sheep sector at the moment selling, we'll say, heavy cull yos, they can effectively, at 100 and maybe 50 to 200 euros, go back in and buy uh, um, 
a yo who's got either one or two lambs at foot for exactly the same money, 150, 200 euros, that, that sort of money. So you're getting very close to three, three for one in that particular regard. But as David Quinn pointed out, it's very depressing uh, when you look at it in that particular mm. light. That, that those people who are actually producing those uh, young young lambs and l- lambing them are not getting a fair bounce out of out of the marketplace. That that's like it's not a good it's not a good thing. No, absolutely. Yeah. And lastly, Martin, before you go, just the calf trade would definitely a bit softer than this time last year. No question about it. Uh, that layerage issue seems to have been tidied up. It does, it appears, yeah, the, the second layerage is now up and running in France and that will actually help it. The weather over uh, over one or two weeks didn't didn't help as well. But I am told that we'll say those really good quality Wainlands, uh, there's contracts there uh, for Italy and those have been unaffected and they are doing, you know, quite well. We, uh, bulls are making anything from 3.30, very close to €4, Euros, of course, um, for the for absolutely prime Belgian blue stock, but, which is what the Italian market appears to want at the moment so it's uh, not it's not all it's not all negative as always on the the dairy side where you've Holstein cross Jersey uh, calves uh, the phrase I use they are a liability because to be the reality of it is is how in God's name are you going to make money out of them to be perfectly honest even if you got them for nothing uh, with the cost of milk replacer and the cost of, of everything else and they just don't like if you bring them to beef they just don't die at the weight particularly well, the jersey I think that's one for another evening Martin I'll have to do the full we'll do the full programme on that how to make money out of well, those in cattle general, but, in, yeah, in, in, in but, general I, would, I, I, w- I would say the cattle trade at the moment very steady the mark trade very strong of course but that's because uh, there'll be a surge now yet again I expect as soon as the weather please God tidies itself up and uh, more farmers uh, are coming out but more farmers came out again last week even though the weather was very 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 poor because they need to buy stock and they know they have like they have to do it yeah well I'll say many thanks to you this evening Martin great run down there as always and we'll speak to you on the programme again Martin Cochran there from the Farming Independent and I just see on Martin's farm report I should say uh, Eden Dairy a good strong trade with anything sweet dear said auctioneer Johnny Dolan of Saturday sale there was little in the way of beef cattle on offer but 50 of the 250 entries were forward heifers or bullocks general run of those forward types made 280 to 3 euros a kilo with tops at 3 euros 40 among the stores Hereford bullocks sold for 260 to 3 euros a kilo as did Angus heifers while Frisian bullocks sold to a top of 240 a kilo so look that is a strong mark trade there's no question about it but as we always say in the programme here every week you would want every penny of it given the cost of inputs uh, concentrate especially for those cattle concentrates on a on a different planet than what we were used to and uh, extremely extremely expensive so that extra money is uh, going in one hand and going out the other but look it's it's all needed no question about that now coming up after the break do you want to win 10 ton of 18612 and if you say no to that, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to question your sanity because uh, it's a prize worth almost ten thousand euro. Uh, Mark Malone is a man from County Westmead, and he's running for the Lord of the Mount fundraiser, and we're going to hear from him and how he can win that prize in just a moment. So stay tuned. Country Life with MJ Cleary on Midlands 183. Welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now we're moving over to County Westmeath and I have Mark Malone on the line. He's running in the Lord of the Mount fundraiser. Mark, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Evening, MJ, and 
all your listeners. Uh, Mark, as we said, it's a big fundraiser, and I, I gave I gave the game away there just at the start of the program. I said what your prize was going to be, but you have a prize that all farmers are going to be eye- eyeing up. But before we we talk about the prize and the raffle and how you get into it, just what's the fundraiser in aid of um, Mark, and what exactly are you doing, all the candidates? Yeah, so basically, um, run the fundraiser for our local GA club, uh, Colliery GA. Uh, at the minute, uh, the club has expanded uh, really, really fast over the last few years. And uh, four years ago, we bought five acres off a local dairy farmer because we're running out our pitch size. Um, so now uh, we, we're running our dressing room sizes because we have lots of juveniles in our club, um, lots of kids. Um, and we also added our uh, ladies team here a few years ago as well. We have two dressing rooms. So... We came together as a club and decided we need to do something about it and we came up with the Lord of the Mount fundraiser for our club, which is consisting of three local men running against each other to um, basically um, earn as much money per person um, to uh, be crowned Lord of the Mount. So we all each have a fundraiser. Um, um, one of our candidates, uh, Richie, is having a mock wedding. Um, John G, a local builder, um, he has solar panels, and then there was me, which I try to stay away from the builders, um, that we would run for, um, or he runs fertilizer and try um, uh, get the farmers involved, our local farmers. So that's basically the run. Yeah, it was, it was a, it's, a, it's a good idea, Mark, getting the fertilizer. I'll just I'll hark back to what you said at the start. You bought five acres off a local dairy farmer. You did very well get five acres off a dairy farmer. He must be a big GA man. He's a big GA man. He's our local vet as well. Um, so, um, in, in fairness, we, we were landlocked, MJ. We'd know where to go. Um, and, and in fairness to him, um, he donated. Well, no, I won't say he donated now, but uh, we got but five yeah, you got him. Yeah, no, fair, fair, fair yeah. play. As we said, the da- yeah. dairy farmers, uh, land, land is, a, is a scarce commodity with dairy farmers. So, uh, yeah. uh, some great community activism there, no question about it. Uh, Mark, the prize that you have then, you, as you said, went for something a little bit different. So, you're auctioning off 10 tonne of 18.612. It's a really interesting prize. Who's uh, supplying it? Where are you getting it? Uh, what's the, the logistics of it all? Tell me. So basically, um, Grennan's, um, Jay Grennan's and Sons are, would be our local merchants here um, in Moat and Rosemount. So all the farmers from our area will be, would be generally dealing in there. So I went to uh, Seamus Doyle, the manager of Moat, and just said, look, um, would I be interested in, in, in purchasing the fertiliser? I have to purchase it. So out with the ticket sales, I have to take the price of the mm. fertiliser out, but obviously to pay, it's not been sponsored by anyway by Jay Grennan, so it's not... Um, so went to Grennan. So we came up with Seamus uh, said probably eighteen six twelve would 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 um, catch a good audience. So uh, ten ton um, free delivery. Um, that's where we went. So our draw is on the twenty fourth of April. So and if um, farmers are interested, uh, Mark from around the Midlands now, from further afield in County Westmead, from Leash Rafflier, uh, up in the Longford, if anyone's listening, how do you go about buying a ticket? What's the easiest way to get a ticket for this? So the easiest way to get a ticket online is if you Google uh, Green Green Grass Colliery GAA, um, that will automatically bring you to the Google page. It will flick up in front of you and you'll see underneath the web, the Colliery GAA page is the Palace Lotteries, which is helping us out with all the money because there's so much money involved and we have to get in a professional team to help us. So if you Google uh, Green Green Grass Colliery, um, it's in front of you, hit the link, and bring it straight to the to the page to buy your ticket for twenty euro.
And I'm presuming, Mark, you're from a farming background. You're doing a bit of farming yourself to be involved in this and have an interest in fertiliser. Yeah, it's a pedal colliery, I suppose, all the way up um, to adult level and, and done a bit of farming. So that's where, obviously, the fertiliser. But, yeah, um, just a small little holding here, 60 acres, um, um, rare lock of calves, um, and then we buy in Wainlands around um, 280 to 300 kilos around October to November, and then we turn them out the following October back to Tullamore is, is our is our local mart and um, buy again then between that and Christmas and repeat the process. <laughs> yeah, and how, how are you finding that system, Mark? Yeah, it's not too bad. Uh, some years can be tough, some years... Um, I put a lot of it down to, um, do you know, if you can get away, like as you said, inputs, you, you have to spread fertiliser. Um, now this year, the uh, cattle price has been huge, so um, made a few pounds this year and look, if you weren't at it, if you weren't making money, you wouldn't be at it. But the margins are very, very tight, you mm. know. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just uh, popped this into Google uh, myself, Mark, and I, I put in Green Green Grass Fundraiser and you popped up here on the first link there. I see it. Callery, G-A, C-A-U-L-R-Y-G-A-A. Uh, and it's right here in front of you. How much is a ticket, Mark? Uh, 20 euro for a ticket. And that includes, the, obviously, the draw is 24th of April, um, which is a Monday evening and uh, the fertiliser, whoever is the lucky candidate, will, will be in his yard on the Wednesday morning. Excellent stuff. Well, listen, we wish you all the best, Mark. Uh, we hope you raise lots of money. It's a good local cause and it's a very interesting angle there with the fertiliser. So all the best and hopefully you are crowned Lord of the Mount in a couple yeah. of weeks' time. MJ, thanks very much for your time and good evening to all your listeners. Thank you. Uh, more than welcome, Mark Malone there, and that is Lord of the Mount Fundraiser. And as we said, if you just open up your Google search engine and if you just pop in Green Green Grass Fundraiser, it'll pop up there. It's Callery GAA and 10 euro for a ticket. I think it's about 3,000 tickets. I forgot to ask Mark. He said it to me earlier. I can't think of the exact number. But uh, uh, well well worth it. It's uh, for a good cause. And look, if you get 10 tonne of fertiliser delivering it to the yard the following, the following week for a 20 euro ticket, you'll be happy, happy, happy. Uh, now, just before I go to a break, Farmer's Journal popped up here in front of me and tomorrow's headline story is uh, environmentalists target farm building plans. Uh, so just uh, people objecting to farm building plans. Uh, the other story being the French Lairage reopens as the calf plane is on hold. So that Lairage is back open as of Tuesday. That's going to make a big difference because that really put everything on hold for a while. Hard border on the way for fertiliser from Northern Ireland. Here's an interesting one. Farmers who buy fertiliser direct from Northern Ireland must must register as fertilizer economic operators and submit information on their imports to the national fertilizer database under proposed department of agriculture rules so it's not set in stone yet but it's a it's a proposition and obviously any amount of fertilizer coming in from northern ireland at the moment huge 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 amount of it and uh, definitely cheaper up there i was talking to someone this week they got fertilizer 200 euro a ton cheaper than down this part of the world so it's looking like there's going to try and be some kind of a, a border put up in relation to fertilizer but look it's only a proposal and it's going to take a while so it's, it's going to keep coming in the meantime now that's it for uh, this part of the program coming up after the break we're going to be talking about an upcoming Aubrac sale in Tullamore it's on Saturday week it's the 15th of April and 
it is a breed with the highest e- DBI, I should say, the dairy breed, uh, dairy beef index, the highest DBI at the moment. The Aubrachs uh, have the top marks on those. So there's lots of interest from both dairy and beef men in relation to this breed. We'll be talking to Francis Donoghue from Johnston Aubrachs in just a moment. Stay tuned. And you're welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now we're moving on to Aubrachs and we have Francis Donoghue on the line from Johnstown Aubrachs in County Westmead. Francis, many thanks for taking my call this evening. There's an Aubrac sale, Francis, in Tullamore. It's on Saturday, the 15th of April, so Saturday week. We're going to chat about that in just a moment. But first, your own Westmead-based Johnstown Aubrac. When did you start breeding Aubrac yourself, Francis? Uh, bought the first one in 2004. So it's uh, not today or yesterday. You're almost 20 years at it. What brought you to the breed back in 2004, Francis? I actually had all commercial suckers at the time and sucked in cows for 35 years, but... I had commercial cows at the time and I went out to France with a brother of mine. He was going out to buy blonde heifers and I went out to buy a blonde bull. And uh, we were travelling along the road and I seen the field of Albright cows with Charlie Cavs. And uh, I took a fancy to them straight away. And before I left France, I bought 24 in calf heifers. Oh, very good. And how did they go for you? I often hear stories like that here in the programme, to be honest, of guys you know, kind of taking a punt on a big number out foreign. And it usually it goes well. How did they go for you? And those those twenty four, did you go on then to have a, a commercial herd as well as your your Arbrax? Did you get going in the pedigree? What? How did you kind of scale I the ran, business to where I you're ran, at now? Ran, I ran commercials for a good few years along with the Arbrax, but eventually got into all Arbrax. I've nothing really pedigree Arbrax now. I've no commercials at all. And the pedigree Aubrax are looking very good on the new uh, DBI. Well, it's not new, it's a couple of years old, a few years old, but it's getting a bit more traction now than it was. This dairy beef index, the Aubrax are hitting all the, the, the marks on this and they're the top bulls in this, which is good news for you, but it's also good news for uh, people who want to rear dairy beef calves if, if the Aubrax are going to be used and used properly in the dairy herd. What sort of a bull do they throw with a, with a dairy cow? A calf, I, I should say. Buy, I buy, I buy 30 calves or probably 35 or 40 every year back of men that buy bulls off me. And I rear them myself and I've killed them there the last couple of years as bullocks now. I leave them as steers. Mm. And um, last year, at 22 months, the average 364 kilos dead weight. Oh, wow. Uh, excellent. And tell me about the lifespan of those uh, for a moment, Francis. You're buying them as calves, you're rearing them on milk replacer, and... It's Concentrate wise, what, what sort of meal are they eating then going forward? Well, I give them, I give them, get them going on crunch the way, and we give them crunch when they're weaned off. Mm. I keep them on crunch for another couple of months, and then try and have well a month or six weeks, and even try and have nice grass for them then, and look at a little bit along with silage over the winter, and out to grass the following year, and then I don't fatten until the following winter. Like. Yeah, very good. But that's a that's a that's an incredible carcass weight at uh, at that age, twenty two months. That's ticking again, ticking all the boxes of carbon efficiency and efficiency for farmer and animal as well. Uh, uh, very interesting. Uh, I have to say, Francis, are you are you finding that the majority of your customers now are coming from the dairy base, or is, is it still a mix? Well, I don't know whether it's just the area I'm in, but I would have sold half my bulls now to to Sucrumen this year, or maybe half to dairymen, but. I know there's parts of the country to be selling more bulls to dairymen, but I suppose we're not in the biggest dairy country up here. But um, no, they are getting more popular with the dairymen. There's no doubt about that thing. 
And we have a sale coming up in Tullamore Saturday the 15th of April, uh, Francis, which is Saturday week. Now, I had the chairperson of the Angus Society on back a few weeks ago. There was rumours, I suppose is what you would say, that a lot of Angus bulls were sold, that dairy farmers went in, and farmers in general, went in early and bought bulls this year. And there was going to be potentially a shortage, if you will, of bulls. Now, look, I suppose if you really wanted one, you'll still get one. Uh, would you say the same when in the Aubrac, uh breed? Have bulls gone earlier this year than usual? Well, I had 12 bulls left aside for selling for breeding. I, I, I keep them as a two-year-old. I don't sell them as a two-year-old. So. But um, that's only one bull left. I'm bringing them to the sale. But uh, this year, definitely the sold quicker. I'd say this time last year, I probably had five or six bulls on hand at this time. But now I've only one. So. And <laughs> I'd the, say that's right. I did buy them earlier, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you'd be of the same opinion. So the sale is coming up yeah. in Tullamore on the 15th. Or some, uh, there's bulls there, but there's also some breeding stock there as well. Yeah, there's 32 females for it now. There's three of them with calves at foot and there's some in-calf efforts through it. There's 32 females, I think 11 bulls. That's what's for the sale now. Um, so, the uh, men are not yet. <laughs> yes, I, I, I suppose um, if you're if you're looking at a, a general Aubrac sale in France, farmers are always wondering what they're going to have to pay. But I suppose, look, you pay for quality and you, the more you pay, the higher quality you're going to get. But in general, uh, for a reasonable Aubrac bull, like what, what's your ballpark kind of at these sales? And for the breeding stock, then you're talking about cows with calves at foot. Uh, they're going to garner a very good price, I'd imagine. Well, they should do. You'd imagine they should anyway. But you just don't know, I suppose, on the day. But uh, they should do, yeah. And uh, would you be in around? I suppose, presume you'd be in around two, two and a half for uh, a cow with calf at foot. That would that be there or thereabouts? Uh, I'd be expecting between two and a half and three now. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a strong yeah. money. And uh, well, the cold, cold cows are a great price, you see. So. Yes, exactly, and I suppose look, you are talking about cows with a with a, with a huge carcass weight there. Uh, the uh, the Aubrac breed, then Francis, where do you see it going? Like, do you see it getting bigger and bigger? It's still look, it's still it's known. There's no question about it. The fact that the DBI is there now is giving it a bit more traction. However, you know, it's still not one of the bigger breeds. Do you see it uh, getting more and more popular as the years go by? Well, men are men are having great success. That's using them on suckler cows as well as dairy cows because they're fit to kill their bulls no problem under sixteen months, and it's they're not hard, they're very easy fed, they're not hard fed cattle, they're not hard to finish like they're, and then they're very easy calving, especially for suckler men that's working as well, part-time farmers, and we'll say, and part-time working, it suits them, because the cows, the Aubrey's a very easy calf, like. Yeah, very good. Uh, Temperament-wise, Francis... So very good confirmation, and very good kill-out, and growth rate, and everything like that, they're, they're, they're exceptionally good. I, I wouldn't go back to any other cow, to be honest with them, you know. And temperament-wise, are they, are they easy to handle? Uh, well, and and that's look. That is one of your big ones, one of your one of your massive ones, especially for for the suckler side of things. But uh, look, your sale is on, uh, Francis. On uh, well, the Aubrac sale is on Saturday, fifteenth of April in Tullamore. I'm sure you're going to have plenty of interest in it. And uh, if you have any bulls left, it's sounding like you won't. I'm guessing, Francis, you, you won't have to make a trip on the day. I'm thinking. Well, you wouldn't know. No, there's definitely a good demand for them this year. Definitely, no doubt about that. Yeah, very good. Well, look, we'll wish you all the best, Francis, and we'll say many thanks for joining me. And uh, that sale, as we said, is on Saturday week. Many thanks, Francis. No problem, MJ. Thank you very much. Uh, Francis Donoghue there, County Westmead. It's Johnstown Aubrax. And uh, certainly a lot of interest in that breed in, in the last year, year and a half, uh, especially with the uh, that DBI, that Dairy Beef Index, uh, giving uh, such good commendations towards it. But those figures really speak for themselves when you're looking at steers at 22 months 
uh, hanging up at 364 kilos. Wow, what a what a, what a weight that is. Uh, absolutely incredible. And I suppose if you're killing bulls under 16 months as well, then you are ticking all of those boxes. Just a couple of new stories caught my eye just before we finish up this week. Uh, one of those is the Farming Independent. We are talking to Martin Coughlin there a couple of minutes ago about beef prices. He described them as solid. The headline from the Farming Independent was EU beef prices to remain high as supplies set to contract. So, look, uh, it's looking like it's going to continue to be a good news story. Uh, fingers crossed is what we would say there. A farmer's urge to engage early on new schemes is another headline from yesterday's Farming Independent. I would agree with this. There is a lot to be done. We had Noel Feeney from the Agricultural Consultants Association back last week or the week before, I can't quite think, and he was speaking about how um, agricultural consultants are going to be very, very, very busy and we won't feel it before we're up at that end of May deadline. So book your meeting with your agri-consultant now and uh, don't leave it too late. There was also an interesting article with Robin Talbot from County Leash on the paper yesterday. I was reading through it and he said he wouldn't go back to an, a spring calving uh, suckler herd. He'd leave cows before he would do it. Uh, that's how much he enjoys and enjoy is the word from reading the article a calving down autumn sucklers. Totally different ball game and uh, he says just from a, a work life balance uh, in relation to bedding in relation to getting calves out in relation to health uh, I thought it was very interesting. It's always wonder why the uh, autumn born sucklers never really took off the same. I suppose it's just a, a, a mental thing and spring calves is always the way it was at. Uh, now that is that for this week's programme and I'd like to thank all of my guests for, guests, I should say, for joining me here over the course of the last hour. Uh, we had Francis Donoghue there from Johnstown Arbrax and as I said that sale is on Saturday the 15th of April so that's Saturday week. Mark Malone from the Lord of the Mount fundraiser and that is where you can win 10 tonne of 18612 fertilizer uh, if you just pop in green green grass fundraiser into google it will pop up for you there and the ticket is 20 euro uh, martin Coughlin from the farming independent joined me at the start of the hour and he gave me a great rundown on all of the issues of beef how the sheep man is still a long way off this time last year and how the cattle trade is described as strong also Joe Kelleher from Chagas joined me at the very top of the hour and he was talking about the very uh, popular crop that is red clover silage and that uh, webinar is available to watch whenever you want if you just again go into google and pop in chagas organic webinars you will be able to look back at that and uh, and see it and see what we're talking about they're talking to two farmers and go through it in detail now that's that i will be back with you this time next week as always show is repeated on a sunday morning at 7 a.m until 8 a.m joe cooney is up next with country roads and you can get this program anytime you want wherever you get your podcast so if it is uh, Google Play Store, Spotify or Apple. Type in MJ Space Cleary, C-L-E-R-Y and Country Life will pop up and you can listen at your leisure. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Good night and God bless.
Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. W. Orshaw.ie.